Well, today I want to look at the life of Abraham a little bit more uh, because his life is uh, lifted up all through the New Testament as uh, an example of what our life in Christ should be like. And uh, he, he was called and he responded. It said that he went forth. He heard what he was uh, supposed to do and he did it. And that's so different than the way a lot of people approach the Christian faith. Uh, he said, the Lord said to Abraham, go forth. And he was supposed to go forth from certain things. And then he was supposed to go to certain things. He says, go forth from your country. And you know, he's called you to go forth. And uh, so ours is just about like it, to go forth from what we have to leave is our, our national culture, our regional culture, uh, those, uh, those things that we're used to that we draw identity from. Those are what we're supposed to go forth from. Also, our relatives, those people that uh, are close to you and that have trained you up to be who and what you are to this point. And uh, that means when it comes to us, those people who are like you, those with whom you share uh, ethnic and racial ties, you're supposed to go forth from even your father's house, your immediate family. You're supposed to leave them. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how just radical this really is supposed to be. You're supposed to go from and then you're supposed to go to the land which I will show you. He says, I have a totally different dimension for you to live in. It's so radically different. It's not just a tradition that I'm calling you into. It's not just a tradition that you were born into. It is a faith and it's different from what most people really think that it is. And uh, we talked about this last week about how it means uh, learning to forgive. I mean, really forgive. It means uh, learning to have faith in other people and to, to understand that there are uh, ways to do things that uh, are just as good as the way that you think they should and ought to be done. That it doesn't have to be your way or the highway. It can be different than that. Really applying the golden rule. And I went into details about that last week. But then he gives some promises. And this is what I really want to drill in on today. Are the promises that he gives Abraham and the promises that are ours. First of all, he says, if you go forth, this is what I'm going to do for you, Abraham. And he's telling you this morning, if you will really go forth with him, then this is what he's going to do for you. Now, the first one, I will make you a great nation. That was his big purpose for Abraham. Now, your big purpose may be something else. And you may go through your whole life and not even know that you're really fulfilling your big purpose because it's tied up in you in way and your relationship with God in ways that are bigger than you can even see 
even while you're going through them. It's only when you look back and you're going to say, so that's what that was all about. But the most important thing is you've had a wonderful walk with the Lord all along the way. He's going to bless you. He says, he tells Abraham, he's going to bless you. And that's one of the things we see all through the Bible is him promising to bless those who are his. He says he's going to make his name great. He said, and you shall be a blessing. If you follow the Lord, you're going to be a blessing to people all around you. Now, because you're following the Lord, the enemies of the Lord may not see them as blessings, but they are even to your enemies. Uh, You're blessing them by manifesting his power and uh, his life through yourself. There's a ripple effect that we have in life, and it's either a good one or a bad one. And uh, just stop and think. I don't know how many times I've been in a store and maybe I've had a frustrating time. Sometimes it's frustrating even getting into the store, fighting all the traffic to get to the store. And you get in there and maybe you're rattled. Maybe you just missed someone trying to hit you or something out there in the parking lot. And you come in, maybe you're having a hard time finding what you're supposed to get. They, it seems like they once you find out where everything is in the store, they move it all around, right? Just so you could, and then so and, and it's like, and so they double check whatever you're checking out. Did you find everything? I said, were you really hiding it? You know. <laughs> so anyway, you find it, you find all your stuff, and you get there, and you check out. You start to check out, and the person there behind the counter just smiles at you, and it changes your whole day, and uh, your smile can change someone's whole day. And uh, I don't know how many times I've just had someone just just give me a quick smile. And it was just like the Lord used that to say, it's going to be okay. You never know when that little kindness holding the door for somebody or whatever else it might be is going to make a difference. And you never know your co-workers you're never going to know what a difference you're making in their lives and uh, fellow students or wherever you are in life. Those around you, as you follow him, you're going to be a blessing to them. And a lot of times you're not even going to know you've been a blessing to them. But that's OK, because if the one that you love and created you smiles when you lay in bed at night, his smile is enough So uh, anyway, I'll bless. This is his promise to us, too. I'll bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you. I will curse. This is something you need to take to heart. You don't need to get vengeance on people. You don't need a pound of flesh from everybody that offends you because the Lord knows and he sees and he's made it clear that you're the apple of his eye that you're special. You're special to him. And he is going to look out and he's going to see what's going on. I've discovered in my own life, people who are my enemies or have been my enemies either become ultimately as I walk and obey the Lord and how I interact with them, they either become my best friends 
or in some shape, form, or fashion, they disappear from my life. Uh, they may just not want to be around me anymore because it bugs them. They don't like having heaping coals heaped upon their head. So they may just stay away from me. But most of the time, I wind up being close to those people that were so uh, out to get me at one point. And so uh, uh, he'll bless those that bless you, he'll curse those that curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You don't know how you're fitting in with all of God's plan. But the things that you do and things that you refrain in obedience from doing make a difference throughout all eternity. So God gives Abraham two things that all of us need more than uh, anything uh, in the world. But before we get to those, I just want to, there's so many people that just don't get it. They think that uh, the Christian faith is just some sort of a set of, uh, of uh, philosophies or doctrines or just uh, uh, a uh, codification of the way that somebody ought to live. And I've heard people say, uh, well, you know, I don't buy into all the tenets of the Christian faith, but I just I just live by the Sermon on the Mount or uh, I don't uh, uh, really uh, take into account this or that. And you see, they're picking and choosing. They haven't enlisted in God's army. They are still in control. They are picking and choosing. And you're not the Lord's if you're picking and choosing. You haven't committed fully at that time. And I was just thinking about that. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like... Uh, some people think that they could just pick and choose and that's all okay. Or some people think that it's just uh, uh, buying some sort of fire insurance. I remember a, a young lady that Sharon was working with one time came into work at a law office one morning and said, Whew, I'm sure glad I got saved when I was eight years old or I'd sure be going to hell after what I did last night. <laughs> it's not just something that you do one time and get your fire insurance. You know, it's not, that's not what it's about. It is a commitment. It's becoming his disciple. And some people want to make, oh, there's those that are saved and then they're disciples. I hadn't been called to be a disciple. And so they missed the whole point. It's more like joining the army. When you join the army or any of the armed forces, you give up basically your right to yourself. And that's what happens when you commit to Jesus Christ. You give up your right to yourself because you have found someone who knows more about you and has your interests more at stake than even you do. And so you trust him. And this is what Abram did. He trusted God. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's where it starts is believing him and then following him and obeying him. It's not just step a foot in and then step a foot out. It's not a dance. It's a march with God. And so uh, I just want you to know that uh, it's not a partial commitment. And I've said it again. If uh, you had bacon and eggs this morning, the, egg, the, the, the hen contributed to your breakfast. The hog was committed to it. He was all in. 
And so it is with you. As I've told you before, saints or ain'ts, you're one or the other. It's not just being, it's not something you do part time. And uh, so I uh, just, I just, there's, oh yeah, Sharon and I were talking on the way in here this morning about, about this. And uh, uh, there was this guy, a, a, a preacher, a well-known preacher and a good preacher that uh, had said that uh, whenever he was saying his vows, he couldn't commit to being faithful to her till death us did part. He was being honest when he said that because he says like, I don't know. I may mess up. Well, that's that's not the way marriage is supposed to be. Whenever you say the vows, you say, and thereto I pledge thee my faith. And their faith means I'm going to you're going to be able to trust me and I'm pledging I'm going to trust you. That's the heart of marriage, isn't it? Is having faith in each other. That's the heart of your relationship with God. As you commit to him, he commits to you. And so, uh, but uh, I just can't, you know, and none of y'all want to be in a marriage where you, where you, you don't, I mean, what I'm trying to say is the Lord doesn't want your relationship with him to be like some people treat their marriage even. Because there are some, just imagine if married people treated their marriage like we treat our relationship with God. Well, I did pretty good this week. I just messed up one time. I was just unfaithful to my wife one time this week. Would that fly? What would your wife say about it? Well, when you're unfaithful to God, what do you think he says about it? This is just it. We miss the seriousness of this and the deepness of it. And so uh, uh, just remember that you're committed to him. You have you don't just contribute to him. You are committed. That's what it means to be a disciple. And there are rewards to doing so. There are rewards. Now, two of the things that come forth from all this, he gives you the things your deepest need. First and foremost, he gives you security and he gives you significance for men significance is the most important thing in their lives. The, the, the men want to feel like they make a difference in this world and they make a difference to the people around them. Women, their deepest need is security. Now, men need security and they want security, but significance is more important to them. A woman wants to feel like she can share herself deeply with those who are close to her. And if she can't do that, she feels like her life is incomplete. And if she doesn't have some way to feel safe, her life isn't going to be what it should be. I just can't imagine what it'd be like to be in an abusive marriage. That would be so bad. But uh, because you need to have each other's back. So uh, anyway, I just uh, I want to say that significance and security, although a man needs security, the man's greatest need is to feel like he counts. And uh, the terms make a name for yourself or leave a legacy. Those are a couple of the words that are the phrases that men toss about a lot. 
And somehow men need to feel like they make a difference. And uh, a woman security, we've talked about that. Now, Abraham's fulfillment was not from God, not from his children, and not his wife, and not his wiles, but his fulfillment came from God. And that's where yours needs to come from for you to be able to make it through all the different situations you're going to be in in life. The best illustration is right there in the life of Abraham. He demonstrates this when he lays Isaac on the altar. Can you imagine that moment? Everything that he'd always been taught and believed deeply about fatherhood, about having a child. And he had waited so long to have this child. His wife had waited so long. This child was a miracle and a blessing. And it was going to be uh, one that uh, he uh, was going to be able to uh, be blessed through. And God says, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And I notice this. It didn't matter what Isaac wanted. It didn't matter what Sarah thought or wanted. What mattered to him more than anything or anyone was what God wanted. That's the heart of a commitment to God. You don't listen to your parents whenever God has told you to do otherwise. It's not that you don't ever listen to your parents. God has told you to honor your parents. But you listen to God first. And if he tells you to go into an insecure place and your spouse is telling you, don't you dare go there, there's no choice to be made. You're going with what God says. And whatever he says is going to be best for your spouse as well as for you. What he wants and what he says always trumps everything else. That's what we see Abraham doing right here when he lifts that knife and he's ready to plunge it into his son's heart. He left it all and he was headed wherever God led him, no matter how uh, uh, dark, no matter how scary it might be. If you will do what the Lord says to do, the promises of Abraham are yours. So the next question is, have you done it? Have you done it? Because the same promise is for you. You see this played out in the New Testament which with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler hears Jesus say, there's just one thing that you're lacking. Now go and sell everything. Give it away. Give it to the poor. And then come follow me. I've had a dear friend ask me one time at a Bible study, do you really think that Jesus would let him leave everything like that? And I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. He says, oh, I just, I just can't believe he'd do that, you know. And so, uh, but this is just it. This is what he told him to do. And whenever he knew what he was supposed to do, he went away sad because he couldn't do it. And so he's walking away. And you see, this is where commitment comes in. This is what we're talking about today. He knew and he refused. And he walked away sadly. As he's walking away, 
It says, Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, let me stop right there. A lot of people want to say, okay, that, that eye of the needle, that was really a small gate by the big gate. They closed the big gate at night to the city. And, uh, and it was hard for a camel to get through. And in fact, the camel could not get through when he was carrying his load. He'd have to shuck himself of everything and bend down real low to squeeze through. But you know what? That's not what that's talking about. Jesus meant what he said there. It's harder for a man, for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a real needle, not a figurative needle, a real needle. And uh, uh, so uh, anyway, in fact, this particular saying is throughout ancient history in different ways. In fact, some people, some of them in the other cultures, they use an elephant instead of a needle. But in every case, it meant a needle, not a figurative thing. And so it's, there are things that seem impossible to us, but go listen on. The rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. And now listen to this. Peter says, hey, Lord, we did that. We did that. We did what, what, what you're talking about here. Peter said, behold, we have left our homes and followed you. And Jesus said to them, now listen to this, because this is a promise to you today. Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. That's the promise. That's the promise. If you will leave it all to follow him. The old hymn is right. We never can prove. That means we never can make it evident. The delights of his love until a little bit on the altar we lay. Is that what it says? Some of our stuff we lay on the altar. Is that what it says? We never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows, for the joy he bestows, are for them who will trust and obey. My prayer is that you will hear God's call so distinctly this next week that you'll have a choice to either trust and obey or turn around and go the other way and know what you're doing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.